You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 58. Steve, we're in June. Exciting times here, and this is usually when you kind of get stuck looking at the roster, the waiver wire, and you either want a change of scenery or you're trying to you know, go out and wheel and deal a little bit in the league. So today we are dedicating a full episode to the art of trading in fantasy. We'll talk some names. We'll talk some philosophy. I know you got strong opinions here. I think we've all had negative experiences of seeing a, a trade proposal and you check it out and you're like, this is absolute trash. We're going to talk about it all, but uh, super excited to be back on uh, kind of a looser show, so we can uh, we can zig and zag where we feel. But thank you guys for tuning in. We are, of course, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. You can find us every Thursday morning on the main Pitcherless feed. Uh, follow us at Winds Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight. Steve, good to talk to you again. How's it going over there, man? Yeah, June. Can't believe it. I think we're at like the quarter point of the season or, or third third way through the season something something crazy it goes goes way too quick but yeah we're we're at that time man like i, I just noticed like in like the discord today uh uh for pitchless like in like the fantasy help section it's like you see more and more comments that are like you know i'm starting to think my pitching staff isn't going to cut it or like i'm starting to think that like i really need some help for speed or power like you can make real, real assessments on your team and, and, and people are starting to do that. And with that comes trade. So it, it's, it, it's trading season. Like it's no longer, Oh, it's only April or, Oh, it's only been five weeks. Uh, you have a good sample, you know what you need and the way to get better. Uh, obviously, you know, there, there's more than one way, but I think, uh, probably the best and quickest way to improve your team is, is through trades, especially at this point. Like, uh, you know, I think you put it in the notes and uh, I was just talking to a buddy offline, like the pop-up guys are, it's over. Like for the most part, they're scooped up. They already happened. Um, <laughs> right. We got to make some deals, man. We got to make some deals now. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's definitely something that I think most, most managers would agree Trading is not utilized as often as it is enjoyable, which is kind of a weird statement to make. But like people get so excited about when they see trades go down in the league. The thought of of completing a trade or being part of a trade is definitely exciting. Of course, there's kind of some, you know, uh, paranoia that you're you're getting beat by a trade or there's kind of this uh paranoia that it's just not a, a fair deal could, could i have gotten more did i get ripped off like, exactly yeah. hindsight looking in the rear view but like you said it's also just a, a drastic way to impact the future of your your season and really your team build because everyone walks away with a draft or walks away from a draft with kind of it in the back of their head like you know i got a great staff but i could use some power or, or different things like that and then it really is like this revolving door for the first eight weeks of the season, trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And you probably added a couple guys who have worked out, but to really change the the makeup of your team, there's no way to do that in greater fashion than with a trade. And 
I think that probably leads off to to kind of our our thought process on it, which again, I know we typically break down a lot of guys. We've got some names on the back half of this show, but Steve, let's have a conversation here in the spirit of making a deal. And let's just talk about it, man. It's like, how, how do you go about making a trade and what are your thoughts overall about maybe the issue that, that happens too often when it comes to a lack of trades? I think the biggest issue and the reason why trades don't get done and like, uh, sort of the negative connotation with it is that I think too many times people are trying to win a trade, right? And you know, there's there's sort of a, a a thought process that's like, all right, let me start with this ridiculous offer and come in completely lowballing and like, oh, but I'm willing to go to a certain price, but let me start here and see where we can meet and we'll meet in the middle. It's like, no, do not. There's nothing worse than getting an offer that you can't press reject fast enough on. Right, or it's a like, screenshot. Comes yeah, in, screenshot and send it to your buddies. If that comes in and, you know, with the expectation that you're going to, like, negotiate and meet in the middle, I'm not doing that trade with you. And no one should do that trade with you. It's, it's an absolute horrible mindset. Even to come in at 80%, I think that's still ridiculous. Come in with a fair, good offer that you're willing to do. And I think that way, you know, it it could be approached in sort of good faith and you're able to figure out, you know, what that person wants and how you can help each other. Like it should be mutual, mutually beneficial, be reasonable. Like there is nothing worse than getting an offer uh, you know that that you, you that doesn't even take two seconds to think about. Uh, I think it's a horrible way to approach things, and I don't think that there's really anything to be gained from it. Like you're just trying to you're 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 trying to you know get the person to do a stupid move. Like that's what it is, and like you're acting like you're you're smarter than them or trying to 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 get a leg up on them in, in an unfair trade. I I think it's I think it's a horrible way to go about it. Yeah, and even if there is, you know, because there's naturally like, I'm interested in buying low here, or I'm interested in selling high here. I still think whether it's whether it's that school of thought or just like filling a positional need or a statistical need, I think communication is such a, a big part of what I found useful to where if you just fire off a trade, a lot of times nothing, I mean, and this assumes you're not in a public league and you actually know the managers a little bit, but... To me, I've always found it really useful to just be above board and kind of send out an initial message of, you know, hey, I know Stanton's been red hot, but, you know, X is struggling and his underlying stats look great. So I'm willing to take a discount because Stanton's been hot lately. Just kind of stating your intentions and and starting the dialogue. I think Spore mentioned this. uh, Paul Spore over at Fangraphs mentioned this. In a recent episode, it's like if you're buying low, like let the person know that you're like, hey, like I know this is a buy low. Like I'm trying to buy low on X. Like I'm trying to buy high on Y. Like be upfront. I think that's such a such a good point. Yeah. And it's also I mean, that, that's a, a good point on just buying low. And, and I think another part of it is kind of where the team standings shake out. And, and you know, if, if you are looking at a guy who's got Whit Merrifield and, you know, just to throw a name out, 
of course, underperforming so far this season, but a lot of people know that, you know, Whit Merrifield more than likely is going to be something similar to what Whit Merrifield typically is. And you can go look at a stat cast and you can look at underlying numbers. Sure, at this point, it's not going to return to a typical third, fourth round value. But if Whit Merrifield is on the last place team in the league or second to last, you have a little bit more of a, you know, conversation piece to say, hey, I'm giving you an offer here that's going to get you production you don't have to wait on. And yeah, Whit Whit might come around, but it also looks like you need pitching or just just starting to view their, it's really comes down to empathy of, like you said, mm-hmm. kind of putting yourself in the other person's shoes and imagining. Yeah, that's my number. That's my number one rule with trading. Would you do it if you were the other manager? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a good place to start. And I think from there, if you're doing, you know, some, some open communication, if you're being honest about it, and probably the, one of the most important things is just being willing to to give something up, which sounds like a no-brainer, but I know you talked uh-huh. about this last year, and it's like, what are your thoughts on that element of it? Because there is that aspect of a trade where it's like, man, Logan Gilbert could get this deal done, but I was in on him, and he's my boy, and he's been good so far. Like, how do you kind of assess that aspect of it, of giving up valuable pieces in order to to get something back? If you want to get a good player back in the trade. When you hit that accept button or, or send that and it gets accept accepted, a little piece of you should like be like, you know, oh man, like I just traded, you know, right. Aaron Ashby. Like he was my boy all off season. I, you know, did a bull prediction on him. Like, you know, uh, I drafted him in the right spot and it's been great. He's finally got a spot. Um, but, you know, it's part of a deal to buy lower-ish on, like, Walker Bueller or something. I'm just making it up. I know it's a name that we have on the list yeah. that down the road or down the rundown, but you should feel like you're, you know, you should feel something when, when you give something up or else you're, you know, or else it's just a, a, a meaningless sort of ticky-tack trade, uh, you know, kind of like if you want to get someone good and actually make a splash and and change your team and try to improve, like there should be a feeling of, you know, a little bit of buyer's remorse, right? Like that's how it should kind of feel a little bit. Um, when you do a trade, um, and another little tip and tricks I, I, I like to do, um, and this is more for head to head league. I know I'm, I'm in quite a few head to head leagues. Um, you know, basically all my non like industry leagues are, are, are head to head. Um, keep track of the Roto standings. Uh, I know my home league on fan tracks, it has it automatically. There's like a standings page that has like the season stats and it's great. Um, but if you're in Yahoo, um, do it manually. If you, you know, uh, tweet me, email me, whatever. I have a, a spreadsheet that could automatically, you know, you just need to paste in your, your, your league standings and it could automatically, uh, update, uh, your Roto standings, uh, Tweet me if you want that spreadsheet. I'll, I'll send it over, tell you how to use it, whatever. Um, but the, the the point of that is and the use of that is is that you could see the categories that you're strong in or weak in and other teams are strong in and weak in and try to match up on a trade there. Um, it's not as clear in head-to-head because, you know, it's head-to-head. There's, there's not those standings there. Um, but you could use this to say, okay, hey, uh, you know, I have a, a 20 stolen base lead. Like, 
you know, uh, I know I love Julio Rodriguez, but I could try and package him for, uh, you know, uh, another guy on the rundown who's struggling a little bit for like a Vlad or something. Have, you know, uh, uh, Christian Walker, Julio Rodriguez, and like a good starter for Vlad or something like that. You know, like, a, uh, I don't know, Shane Bieber that you're worried about. Like, you know, obviously that's a lot, but you're getting a first round player back. I'm literally just making up a trade in my head and. I don't think that sounds too crazy because, like, I need power. Uh, I have, I also have, like, Jorge Mateo and Tommy Edmond who have been great in speed. So I don't need Julio Rodriguez and the team that has Vlad is last in steals but still managed to have a lot of home runs. Like, I'm literally making up fake scenarios, but that's what you could look at by looking at those standings and simultaneously putting yourself in the shoes of the other manager. Like, I don't know the the guy, uh, I, I think this could sort of be a, another topic. I don't want to ramble, ramble on too much, but I think two for one or three for one trades kind of get looked down upon, but there's ways to do it. That makes sense. And I think that using those tools is a way to do that. Sort of those tips and tricks. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, roster depth is kind of a, you know, an accompanying point there to where it, I think most people probably go to teams near the bottom of the standings, look for a trade for, for whatever reason. And if you do that, it, it kind of stands to reason that those teams probably need several players. Like if, if you're going to yeah, do it two sure. or three for yeah. one, giving a, a guy in, in 12th place in your league three top 100 players and asking for a top 35 top 40 player it's not outrageous because that's you know you're you're giving them some volume some depth some uh consistency and those are the things that i would bring up if they're in 12th if they're in 12th they're going to need help in more than one category or several categories and i know that a lot of those top players are four or five category players but if you could get three four or five category players that might not be, you know, first rounders, but are going to be eight to fourth rounders next year. That's useful. And and, and things can be done that way too. It, it, it shouldn't just be, oh, don't ever do two for ones. Like, oh, are you trying to, trying to two for one me? Like, I know this, like it's, you know, four quarters is worse than the dollar. Uh, and, and there is a lot of truth and merit to that. But I think that, as long i think a lot of that comes from like the bad faith like oh yeah look i'm i'm giving you uh you know uh christian walker has more home runs than vlad like why uh, why wouldn't you do this it's like no like uh, and i'm giving you somebody else like it's christian walker plus you know uh julio rodriguez whatever <laughs> right. yeah yeah you know it's like no that's not how it works uh you know because there is going to be a point where vlad turns it on and, and provides that first round value so you have to you know understand that it, it, it doesn't work like that but you can do something that's fair and you can do that by finding the other team's needs and putting yourself in that person's shoes and seeing if you would do it from the other end how much weight steve do you put into stat cast underlying metrics when you're looking at trades because that that can be something that especially this time of year you see it pop up on like the chat, the player chats where 
people are like, oh yeah, we're the stat cast nerds now telling me that this guy's a stud. He's He's gone two for 20 in the past couple of weeks. Like, is that, uh, you know, a tiebreaker? Do you actively target it? Do you use that as a tool to kind of identify people who you want to go after? Or do you usually start with team needs? Um, I mean, I think it's a, a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll definitely use it to find a guy... I think the process sort of is this to, to organize my thoughts here. It's like, all right, what do I need? Um, you know, look at those roto standings, see where you're at and, and steals power. Like, okay. In my home league, I am pretty good. Uh, like first in, in roto points, like it's not a roto league, but you know, comfortable with my team, but my two worst categories are like homers and RBIs. So like, therefore I'm going to look for a guy who, might be undervalued with a good barrel rate or, you know, is moving up in the lineup or batting in a good lineup spot, um, a run producing spot that might not be performing right now, but is projected to get, uh, you know, a, a good amount of home runs. Like I, I, I know I put this on the rundown, but um, it's, and it's funny that I traded for a guy at the time with zero home runs, but I needed some power um, and I traded for Marcus Simeon. Um, the deal was Michael Kopech and Luis Arias for, for Marcus Simeon. Um, at the time he had zero homers, but you know, there were some underlying numbers there over the last two or three weeks, not even on the Statcast page that, you know, provided some hope for Simeon and more so it was like, okay, uh, he's not going to finish with zero homers for the year. He had 42 last year. Uh, you know, he had to get used to this new environment, new contract pressing and figure that out. Um, I don't expect he'll come close to the 40 home runs he had last year, but I think it'll come close to 20 uh, on the downside, which, you know, that's a big deal for from June on for a, a team that's, you know, fourth from the bottom in, in homers. Um, I had an excess pitching um, spot and, you know, I said, OK, obviously Kopech for Simeon is not going to get it done. Um, Simeon still was like a third or fourth rounder, whatever. Um, I put myself in the other team's needs. Like, okay, I need a uh, a replacement for my shortstop, second base eligible player. And Luis Arias was just that. He's been good. Um, you know, I still think I like Simeon the rest of the year <laughs> over Arias, uh, which is, I think, a fair statement. But that's how I, you know, pitched the deal and, and, and you know, ultimately the other team agreed to it. Like, Okay, it's a it's a replacement who's playing better than Simeon currently, and uh, you know I just had uh, a, a you know a, a team that had I, I, I don't know if it's Syndergaard or whoever else and other few few disappointing pitchers, and there was a need for pitching, and Kopech's been great, um, so that's how that deal came to fruition, and you know I had said that directly like here's what I think your team needs. Like these are the numbers to back it up. Like I'm not like trying to be smarter than you or anything, but it, it's just logical. These are the facts. And yeah. Yeah. It's the facts and a fair way to approach it. And just how sort of deals like that can, can come to fruition. And I think uh, as long as you're reasonable and like understand where that other team's coming from, uh, you can get a lot of deals done. So it's a good point. Good example. It kind of segues to the next topic. I was going to hit on is do you have any rules? Because at the end of the day, you want to improve your team. And 
it's kind of in my school of thought that it it can be a little bit harder to find arms this time of the season than it can be to find bats. I don't know if that's because of the likelihood of injuries with pitchers, if it has to do with kind of the matchups with pitchers and the fact that, you know, occasionally you're going to have a guy who's at Coors and you don't want to roll him out there. And I think it's part of the no such thing as a pitching prospect theory, uh, you know, fresh off the show where we're talking about Roanzi Contreras and all these guys. But I think the the thought is that it seems like, you know, hitters, like whether it's, you know, Paven Smith, Christian Walker, some of these that we've talked about, or even guys who just go streaky. I've always found it a little bit easier to find hitting production on the wire than pitching. So I'm a little averse to deal a valuable arm, but I'm curious your, your thoughts on that, especially talking about giving up a, a prize piece like Michael Kopech. Do you uh, play I mean, pr- pretty straight up on those? Yeah, pretty much because, you know, uh, I'm looking at what I have and see that, you know, I, I, I'm in the top of the league in all of these pitching categories. I have Jack Flaherty and Chris Sale on the IL, like waiting to come back somewhat soon. So why not deal from what's a strength? Like that's how you find, you know, excess pitching. Like go to the team that has by far the best staff that has, you know, Aaron Ashby as their number five. Like, right? Like if they have Aaron Ashby, that's found money because they drafted him late at hit. Like he's starting he's starting now. Um, you know, that's another, I think, great way to find value. If someone picks up, you know, George Kirby and he's been great, like that's found money for that team. And now they have another starter that you could go after. And it doesn't necessarily have to be George Kirby. There could be another guy like, I don't know, whoever else is you know, performing and and now an excess arm. Like, you know, if they were stashing that Kirby in a minor slot, they now have a roster crunch, right? If, you know, uh, Strasburg looks great and Shane Boz look great and they're coming back, like those guys are going to have extra arms to deal from. And it's a great way to sort of like, hey, let me help you out. Instead of, you know, you having to drop a guy, like here's a way to consolidate. Like I really like... uh, you know, uh, I, I really like Ashby. Like, I, I know he's been great. I know he was a great sleeper. But, you know, you got these guys coming back, and he just, you know, carved out a full-time role with Peralta gone. Here's, you know. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, I've got a ton yeah. of speed or whatever it is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and and here's, you know, I'll do a, 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 a two-for-one where, you know, I, I'm taking two from you. You know, Ashby and your fourth closer because you're great in saves for Julio Rodriguez or whoever. Um, yeah. That's sort of the way that I think trades are born. Like, you got to pay attention to, to what other teams are doing. Watch the moves that they're making. Watch who's coming off the IL. Watch who's going on the IL. Um, you know, uh in my league, we only have three IL spots, and like I have Wander Franco and Jonathan India sitting on bench spots. Like, you know, if, if someone would, would, would ask me for a guy who's on the IL, like that, because they have an IL spot, I would absolutely do that because that frees up a spot for me. Like, you know, yeah, sure, I would gladly sell, you know, Tyler O'Neill for 70 cents on the dollar because I need the IL spot and he's, you know, underperforming or whatever, 60 cents on the dollar. Like, it's just, oh, 
a way to sort of do that. And like, if I was another manager, like I would be sending offers or, or talking for that, you know, with that owner all day. And I think another to sort of circle back to, um, sort of the the overall concept. It's like don't don't just flood someone's inbox with offers. Like, send a text, talk it out, send a message if you don't have the number. Like, even if it's like a publicly, like send a message. Hey, uh, you know, or you know, this is just a preliminary offer. I really wanted to talk about that. You know, chat here. Like, I know Yahoo has like a, a talk about it button on on the trade. Like. Yep. You know, in your home leagues, you're going to have all these buddies' numbers. And in, in, in industry leagues, like, you know, tweet at the guy. Like, you know, they're in the industry for fantasy baseball. Like, of course, they're going to want to talk trade. Like, it's a, it's a great thing to to do. I know uh, Ian Khan over at the Athletic always talks about on Under the Radar how he's calling everybody up and has made lifelong friends from these phone conversations about trade. But, you know, I'm not saying you have to call everybody, but talk about it. Just just talk about it, man. Like, it's so much easier. And, you know, you're not going to offend anyone if the, if you know what they want and, and and can understand the needs and what they're looking for in a trade. It's just it's, it's how things get done and how, how you're able to make trades. It's such a good, uh, you know, a better way to to negotiate a deal if you're actually talking about it rather than just sending over a deal and praying that someone hits accept. Yeah, it, it, it truly spoken and we will uh talk about several players because we've got to give some some names some advice get into some player analysis uh but first we are going to take a real quick ad break and we'll be right back hey alex fast here and thanks for listening to this podcast on the pitcher list podcast network if you're a fan consider supporting all of us by getting a po plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff plus you can hang out with our incredible pitcherless community it's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as eight dollars a month you can sign up at pitcherless.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, it's a tricky transition to go from a philosophy that's so based on circumstances of your league and who's holding what and what your strengths are to, to go into player analysis of kind of like targets and buy lows and buy highs because I think the overriding umbrella message on all of this is you want to be empathetic and, and put yourself in the shoes of other managers. You want to be mindful of where you are in position and standings and statistical needs, position needs, all that stuff. But we do have a, a list of names that are, at least can kind of jog or like, you know, spur more conversation around how you would set something up. So we jotted some down, feel free to take left and right turns throughout uh, but the first one I wanted to, to look at is in the spirit of returning off the IL, Willie Adamas is kind of nearing the end of the ankle injury that he had. And Willie Adamas is 
kind of in a weird spot for for his season because he's slashing just 208 on the average, 304 OBP and a 462 slug, which is the bright spot. Uh, but it's been pretty underwhelming when you just think of like the 208 average because of the fact that he's been on the IL there's kind of increased likelihood that someone's either got a roster crunch or he's not coming right off of like a two homer game or an over 20 drought or anything like that. So Adamus is one that I've kind of like circled as an interesting guy as a shortstop. And the one that, you know, my thought process on this was in my opinion, the arrow is pointing up on Adamus because he's just got a 228 BABIP, which is bound to come up. His XBA is the highest of his career, still only at 266, so not like a world changer. Uh, also the highest X slug of his career. Anybody who kind of drafted Adamus has now kind of waited out this IL stint. But I think the the barrels, the underlying metrics right now, he's 11th in the league in barrels per batted ball event. There's reasons to be excited about Adamus. So right away, I looked up the rankings and said, Who's a short a shortstop who's been performing better than Adamas? So you can kind of balance out this, you know, buy low and be transparent about it. And the name that I kind of landed on as an interesting one to look at was like Dansby Swanson, who is ranked 51st on five by five league settings compared to Adamas at 150. And Swanson has had a different kind of season as well because. He's batting 269, 333 OBP, 439 slug, uh, six homers, but the eight steals is really interesting for Swanson because his previous career high was 10. So it's safe to say he's well on his way to eclipsing that. Uh, but, you know, how, mu- how much is left? Like, I don't think anyone thinks Swanson's going to have a, a 25 steal season, but certainly offering more speed than Adamas. There are signs of worrying for Swanson with like the 30% strikeout rate. That's the highest of his career. So when you look at these two names, same position, Swanson, you could maybe argue slightly overperforming, batting 270, eight steals, but still a pretty big gap on what they've done to date. They were drafted around the same range. How would you kind of view this as a starting spot and, and what are some things you would consider for like a Swanson versus Adamas uh, trade? Um, I think it's a good starting spot. One thing I will say with a specific um, Adamas uh, example, um, I know he just had a setback. It seems minor. I think it was like a, a quad setback rehabbing ankle. It, it, you know, the ankle's fine and it might just be, uh, you know, a few more days or another week or so. Um, one thing to that I don't necessarily like doing um, just cause like if I was in, in this shoes, like if I waited for a guy to come back off the IL and they're just about to come back, it's like, I already waited all this time. I really don't want to trade him right now. Um, I would kind of need to be blown away. It just, a, a very minor sort of tiebreaker thing that I would, you know, lean towards not dealing with the player just because it's like, all right, I waited all this time. Like. You know, sure, it's one thing to do it you know, right when the injury happens. If you have an IL spot and can stash it, and you know, I'm in a, a tough place and can't afford to wait out an injury. But that that's just sort of a, a another mini little aside. But I think that you know a Swanson deal for this sort of works. It's like okay, I know I'm selling a bit high on Swanson. You, you know, you got to be upfront about that. 
Um, but I, you know, I really like Adamas. Um, you know, how Swanson and this starting pitcher for um, Adamas and your second closer, you know. Uh, I really need saves. Uh, uh, you know, you're getting a good replacement at shortstop. You know, you're doing better in power, but need some speed. Um, that's the sort of thing that I would absolutely consider and would definitely do if I was the the Adamus manager uh, and, and needed some, some some steals. You know, I know it's you know I don't want to say this is a it's a tough top topic because everything is so context and leaks, but specific and we're making up these fake trades here um but that's how i would sort of talk it through and like you know reason to myself okay here's why i should do this deal with you know someone coming in with an offer for their swanson for my adamas okay yeah and i think like you know when you how how likely because the one for one is what comes to mind do you feel like there's a there's a higher likelihood on any trade of kind of you know the more pieces you put in there the more balance there is like do you, do you see I, I, one I for one? I think so. Okay. Ch- yeah, challenge trades are tough. Like Adamus for Swanson is like a straight challenge trade. It's like no, like I liked Adamus more preseason. He was drafted earlier. Like you know, I took him over Swanson for a reason. Like you know, uh, I know he's having a great year, but there is some holes in it. Like you said. Um, there's really not much reason to sort of do that. It's like, why would I just trade uh, this starting pitcher for that starting pitcher or that this shortstop for that shortstop? I think that the way to sort of do these trades, I guess, uh, would be with like secondary pieces, swapping needs for needs. Like, right? That's that's how you have to think of these players. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm as guilty as it for as as anybody you know i i I love the players that i love and and you know uh and and have emotional attachments to them but when you're doing this you need to think of these players as needs and, and and ways to improve your team and help your team get better while also helping the other team like you got to help the other team man like that's the only way you're going to get good trades done steve i kind of see a future for you as like a trade counselor like maybe, maybe that could just be. I mean, your I, niche hey, I do, on I, Twitter. I, I I do it all the time in the uh, in the pictureless Discord, man. Like I'm always in those help channels. Like you know, someone was uh, today uh, talking about um, you know they're in twelfth in the dynasty league and they're getting a lot of offers from Manny Machado, and one of them was circled around. Um, Spencer Torkelson and it was like Torkelson and like, you know, Justin Turner or a few other older pieces. It's like, no man, like Manny Machado is, you know, one of the premier fantasy assets right now. Like if you're trading him, I don't care what place you're in. Like in a dynasty league, you need to get like a top, 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 top end prospect. Like I know Spencer Torkelson is up there, but like, and this was exactly what I said in the chat. Like, Yes, Torkelson's 99th percentile outcome is like kind of like Pete Alonso, which is like what a third rounder. Like Manny Machado, if he's dra- if we if we draft today, like he goes in the middle of the first round, right? Like you know, if not higher, uh, it, it's like you're trading one of the best assets, and you need to you know be compensated fairly for that. So yeah, I, I kind of do that 
all the time and, and, and enjoy doing it. Like it, you gotta be, this is, this is what you deal with. Like, you know, you see all the, the trades that happen on Yahoo or, or, or offers that are posted. Like there's some bad offers and bad deals that are, that are made. It's like, it's a, it's a really big market inefficiency and you know, you got to, while also attempting to be fair, gotta make sure that you're, you're not getting sniped yourself. Right. right. No, that's yeah. That's the plug to uh, go out and, and sign up for the Pitcherless Plus, uh, com slash plus spelled out, and you guys can get in on the Discord and take your trades to the mediator, Steve Giswelli. But <laughs> let's uh, let's keep going through some names, Steve. Byron Buxton has you know the flag is in the ground. This is your boy, and Buxton managers, I would say, are among the top of people frustrated, looking for some sort of trade. And however you want to spin it, that is an opportunity, uh, whether it's it's luck or just kind of the expected outcomes that are ahead because Buxton right now is batting just 200. Uh, the 485 slug is good with 11 homers, just one steal. Um, the arrow has to be pointing up. He's got a 188 BABIP, but I, I know... Very smart fantasy managers who are openly saying Buxton sucks or I can't do this. I'm so tired of it. Yes, that doesn't mean that they're going to give him up for, you know, pennies on the dollar. But it starts to get into this realm of of trade targets. So how would you approach kind of a a Buxton offer? I've got a, a name I threw out here. It seems like it probably isn't enough for me, which is your first stress test of like, would you make that trade? Uh, but uh, I'm curious, just opening up the floor on Byron Buxton and kind of where you see his trade value right now, because health is also another factor, despite uh, or along with the performance issues. Yeah, it, it kind of times out to like when that knee injury happened. Like he was right, he was lighting the world on fire, mm-hmm. uh, and then had that that scare. Uh, and in the past 30 days, uh, despite hitting four home runs, has a 564. OPS. I would have never thought that, uh, you know, if you told me Buxton uh, on June 1st, as we're recording this, had 137 at-bats, was relatively healthy, you know, played, uh, you know, uh, 36 of the team's 45 games. Um, I would have thought my bold prediction of him being the MVP was was close to being true. It was for, for a point, but... Um, you know, not to, to ramble too much uh, on the, the, the trials and tribulations of Byron Buxton. But, yeah, I mean, if I were the By- Byron Buxton owner, like, you know, I'm I'm telling myself, like, Buxton is a guy who I want to put buy low on. Like, so, like, I already have that perfect buy low. I mean, what even complicates it even more is, you know, they're, they're managing him. He's not starting every day. He's playing probably, what, four or five times a week max. I know he did just play both ends of a doubleheader yesterday, but then sat today. So uh, it, it, it's tough. Um, that being said, um, the name you listed here is, is Jared Walsh. Like, I would want Jared Walsh and, like, a, 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 a really good starter. Um, to consider doing that. But if, if I'm, you know, if I have Byron Bucks on my team and like I have power and need a first baseman and, and an arm and I'm in eighth place, like absolutely I'm doing that, you know? 
I, I think it's a good start. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm hitting accept on a, a trade where I'm filling two needs sort of uh, for one with Bucks and then like understanding that I'm selling for much lower than what you could have got for him when he was like, you know, lighting the world on fire, had seven home runs the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, I think the the thing you mentioned there that I would note for a player like Buxton with the the playing time questions and just the sluggish performance, if you will, or the underperforming of the the metrics. If there if if the the Buxton manager is deep in the standings, it might be helping them to give them like a steady eddy that's not going to light the world on oh, fire. Yeah. Um, or, you know, look at the other players around them. I mean, if they're loaded with guys, you know, Luis Robert, just players that, you know, have kind of that volatility or injury concern, maybe they'd be open to, you know, finding some stability in their, their lineup, uh, even if they're not in 12th place and they're like hovering right around like the playoff mark. Um, all of those things I think are what I would try to communicate. And to our earlier point, be transparent about the fact that you're you're buying low and just say like you know hey i know yeah this is crazy that buxton's you know batting 200 definitely don't think that this is going to last but um it seems like you could use some instant production who's here's two or three guys if if you'd rather you know some you know, spread yeah, here, spread here, your investment here, a little bit here's here's jared walsh um jordan montgomery and a closer, like right, like right, not a crazy, crazy offer. Yeah. So no, good to good to kind of talk through. And Walsh, I mean, you know, the, where we grabbed him, that some of the thinking was drafted not too far behind Buxton. Obviously, not quite the the boom bust option that he is, and he's been solid. I mean, the the barrel rate's still eighty fourth percentile. He's got ten homers himself, batting two fifty three. You know, OPS around 800, good lineup. I mean, there's, you know, that's not like a garbage player or somebody that you think is going to tank, but it's just somebody who, you know, might be a starting piece that you could you could pair with a few others. So, yeah. And like, I don't know if you don't have a backup first baseman or something like that, like you're going to be like, oh, man, like I'm trading like my really good first baseman. Like, yeah, you should feel like that because you're getting Byron Buxton, right? Like uh, that that's how it how it should work. Yeah. Well, the next one, you know, this this one is almost, you know, in the territory of ad drop because there's, you know, you can see some of these guys uh, on the waiver wire, their, you know, roster ship kind of fluctuating between like 70, 80 percent. But I thought it was just interesting that Jake Cronenworth is still more rostered than Glaber Torres. And Cronenworth has not been what you've signed up for. I mean, talk about a guy you counted on to be kind of a, a steady Eddie. He's batting 211 right now. We talked about on, on the chalkboard episode that if the average isn't there for a guy like Cronenworth, he's not going to light the world on fire with power and speed. So if he's not hitting for average, it's kind of like, where is he helping you? Even so, uh, Cronenworth is, is rostered at a higher rate than Glaber Torres, which kind of begged the question for me, who I've been a, a recent convert on Glaber. All the underlying metrics look good. He's, you know, moving up the Yankees order. I mean, the arrow's pointing up. So this to me was like a, you know, buy on Glaber over Cronenworth. And I was more surprised to see this, but you didn't like this school of thought for the trade. 
right, Steve? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd much rather have Glaber than Cronenworth for sure. Um, you know, I think Glaber is a great sort of target as, you know, I, I'm trading Altuve or Tommy Edmond or like a top tier second baseman. Um, give me Glaber and let me fill another need. Like, I think Glaber is like that. You know, I I don't think he's 2019, 38 home runs, 72 home runs versus the Orioles, Glaber. Um, but I think he's back to being top 10 second baseman, Glaber Torres. Um, so that would be sort of more of the school of thought. Um, rather than I the would challenge. For, rather than the challenge. Rather than trade. a challenge trade, yeah, for sure. Like, Cronenworth, like... You know, it, it that would be the other way around. Like, if the if, if you know you know uh, okay, like Tatis is coming back, like the lineup should be better. Cronenworth's not this bad. Um, I want you know your you know number three starter and Cronenworth for Glaber because you know you're sick of sick of Cronenworth. Um, I'm giving you a good second baseman. Um, let me get. Cronenworth as my replacement for second base and also, you know, uh, your Jordan Romano because I need a lot of saves or something. Okay. Well, let me throw this one out, Steve, because I think this one's a little better. I was a little excited about this one. And it's all about kind of trading out categories where it's basically speed for pop. And I was looking at Harrison Bader alongside Jorge Soler and kind of interested in this one. Now, I feel like you could argue either side of this, but but Bader so far batting 250, which in this league context is good, and Bader's kind of recent track record from a batting average standpoint, you'll take 250 Harrison Bader. He's got four homers, 13 steals has been the real bright spot. That's been enough to to have Bader ranked 74th in 5x5. Five five. Then you got Jorge Soler. Uh, it's been a little... Frosty at the plate from an average standpoint, batting 226, but he had a horrendous April, just a 587 OPS, really turned it on in May with a 939 OPS. Uh, I believe today he went like three for nine. He's got a trip in course. So Solaire is surging, but Bader himself has, has hit 341 the past two weeks with four steals. So the arrow on both of these guys is pointing up. Solaire hits in a, a better spot in the order. Bader in a better lineup. Uh, it all comes down to kind of steals and homers, but homers have been more scarce than in seasons past. So I think even that is a little bit more balancing out. So all of this kind of put together, to me, I feel like this this one feels like it's a good starting spot. Again, I think Bader on the surface level. It, it looks more promising. I don't have Solaire's five by five in front of me, but it's definitely not seventy fourth like Bader. I think he's in like the, you know, high one hundreds or something. Um, but give me the assessment on this type of a deal. Would you be looking for an additional piece, or do you think this is more in line with the type of deal you'd be interested? I, I in? I think making? this is this is exactly the type of deal that that I would be interested in making. You know, if you also have Tommy Edmond and Julio Rodriguez and have this huge lead in steals and are just racking up all the steals and you added Christopher Morrell who's already got six stolen bases like yeah uh, 
I'd absolutely do this. Um, you know, it would be something that I'd be looking to do like in my home league too, because I need a lot of power. Um, that's a perfect sort of need for need deal that uh, I, I think is, you know, uh, essential to sort of target and a great way to to help your team get better. Okay. Well, let's talk about some buy lows, Steve. You brought up Walker Bueller earlier, and I want to just kind of bounce around here. Talk to me about Bueller, kind of what you've seen so far, and if this is someone, again, we were talking about, you know, do you look at your team needs? Do you go out and search for people who you think are going to turn it around? You said it was a hybrid, but Bueller is a name that you kind of brought to the rundown. So talk to me about what you're seeing here and how you would go about kind of a a trade, because that's obviously a, a name people are going to be hesitant to to part from yeah um th- there there's some concerns like especially if it was uh you know a, a manager that was analytically inclined that had bueller um the k rates at just 20 percent, which is you know low even for a guy that's not like you know this isn't like a corbin burns right. peak like he he he, he makes his he, 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 you know, his value is driven from pitching eight innings with seven strikeouts and three hits with no walks. Like, yeah, a five percent K rate yeah. drop for like a Rodon isn't as as crucial yes, as it is for exactly. like a Walker Bueller. Yeah, yeah. This the the, the this this percentage drops him from like a nine point seven K per nine to like a seven point two K per nine. Um, the only thing is. Uh, We've sort of had these weird blips with Bueller where he wasn't striking many guys out uh, in the past, and he's sort of come back from that. I know Nick has talked about his fastball not being the pitch it was as in terms of whiffs uh, recently, but it's been a pretty tough stretch that uh, you know um, has sort of driven that value down and it's not like the results are that bad he hasn't got more than 5.2 innings in the last three starts and hasn't had more than five strikeouts in any of those starts that was versus atlanta um versus cincinnati and at colorado i know cincinnati is like you know you're like shaking your head like what that's uh, but they've been a little bit better mm-hmm. um and were a little bit better at the time that they that they that they saw bueller and the results haven't been that bad it's not like he's been rock rocked or anything i don't think he's given up more than two runs in any of those starts so you could live with the results but i think that that's sort of a a perfect way to frame it and say hey you know i, I know bueller's results aren't good and yes i do believe he's he will bounce back that's why i'm trying to trade for him and i think the the k's will be there but you know you're really struggling for for a bat um you know here's uh you know this third round bat and uh you know uh patrick sandoval uh as a starter to replace him um you know what do you think like that's the way that i would go about framing an offer for walker bueller yeah another name we have on the list is carlos rodan who similarly he hasn't you know been on fire the past four starts uh, you know early in the season he was striking out 12 in an outing and then 10 in an outing and everyone, I mean, even Nick Pollock, it, it seems like ever since the Cardinals destroyed Rodon and, and chased him after like three innings, ever since then, he hasn't quite gotten back to 
the Rodon that he he kind of showed and that we all think he could be. Nick Pollum's Nick Pollock still got him as like a, a top five, top ten starting pitcher. Uh, I don't have the list right in front of me, but there's an interesting element there of like Rodon's health concerns and is that an angle? I mean, I know you brought up bat and it seems like you avoid like the challenge type of trades, but is that another angle to kind of take of, you know, maybe a a team in like ninth place or kind of on the outside looking in on the playoffs could view Rodon as if he stays healthy, this could be a guy who I ride to the playoffs. Whereas if Walker Bueller kind of stabilizes me and I'm in third or fourth place, is that something, is that a school of thinking that you would be uh, in favor of? Yeah, I don't think it's as crazy as like a the 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 other trades where it's like bad for bad. I could see this sort of working if, if you know uh, because especially with pitchers like right like all right, I really need K's like Rodon's going to help me. Um, I really need to help my whip. Um, Bueller is going to be better there, um, mm-hmm. or you know at least at least should be long term, um, but. It's still, I think, tougher to do a trade like that, despite this one making a little bit more sense, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you've talked about, like, you don't want to feel like you, you know, completely won a, a trade. Yeah. Or it, you know, it's it's inevitable. It's going to work out a little bit better for somebody, but you don't want to walk or, walk away you know, with a wry smile saying I fleeced the other guy or anything like that because it hurts your reputation for future trades. But that one came to mind because actually my brother Ty had Max Scherzer and early in the season, a little fun fact about Ty is he's never actually won the title in our like, you know, year 21 league. So we've got names on the trophy and everything. And he's like, man, Rodon, like, he could be a league winner from out of the gate. And it wasn't like a one for one. There, there were other pieces in there with Rodon. And and that's kind of the, the school of thought of just like, you know, a quote unquote league winner for someone mm-hmm. who otherwise might have some like oatmeal-y, uh, you know, aesthetics to them. But yeah. Yeah. I, if, if you're going for it, you're willing to take more of a risk. Like Rodon's definitely more of an injury risk. Like, Less of a track record. Um, Buxton, same thing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, You know, if you're in, you know, for Buxton or or for Rodon, like if you're in a place where you need to make up a lot of ground in Roto standings or in head-to-head, like that's a sort of, you know, a good shot that you got to take too. It's like, all right, like I know you're in first place. Like Buxton's been sitting and, you know, erratic like you know i'll give you this sort of oatmeal guy for him because i need to take the shot like that's another great way of looking at it like uh, from the from the opposite yeah like you're 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 in last place in in mario kart and you get the star you know you got a lot of sharp terms coming up but you get the star and you're just willing to fly off the course if if it means you're going for you know first place so yeah uh, absolutely yeah it's a school of thought uh, some yeah. other some other names I think are really interesting just because of where they're at. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with the you know ranked one sixty two in five by five. Uh, it's still great under the hood. The Statcast page lights up red, but it's it's also Vlad. So someone's going to be really reluctant to part ways with him. 
is this even a, a name that you would go after? Or do you think guys like Vlad Acuna is another one who so elite, so tough to walk away from? Do you think trades for guys like this are even a good idea or possible? How would you kind of approach a situation like that? I mean, I sound like a broken record, but like if I had Vlad or if I had Acuna, like I'm still the cost on him is still pretty much close to to draft day cost. Like, <laughs> so we got some names here for Vlad. So yeah. Pete Alonso ranked sixth in five by five. No chance. Um, I mean Pete Alonso plus yeah Pete Alonso and and an arm to help me absolutely okay yeah. Goldie like, like, so n- not no chance that I'm trading him, but like. No, I'm not going to do it for, you, you, you know, I, I didn't draft Goldschmidt with the third pick. Like I drafted Vlad. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to want Vlad and I don't know. Uh, I don't know why this name keeps on coming up, but like Vlad and Ashby, like, or, you know, uh, Pete and Ashby, or, you know, if that's too much, um, Pete and, you know, a slightly worse starting pitcher, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. Okay, so still, still. But possible. those are good. Those are, those yeah. are good starting points. Yeah, those names are very, very good starting points. Yeah, I mean the other but ones think, we had listed were yeah, Goldie's ranked fourth and five it, by five. It, His underlying. It's also tough because like if you have good. Alonzo, if you have Alonzo or Goldschmidt, like you're not, you don't need to trade for Flat. Like you don't, you don't have to. Like it's more like I don't know. Like, uh, but someone will win that trade, Steve. Like yeah, it, absolutely. It, if if it's those names, like it, maybe not if you're just going Vlad for like a, a you know a couple pitchers or something like that. But like, I know what you're saying that if you if you have Goldie, you're not looking for a first baseman. But yeah, you are if you think Vlad's going to be better the rest of the way. For sure. Yeah. True. That's true. Yeah. yeah you're so right, you're right. yeah, I so mean, it's just good point. you know playing it out, playing it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think the the other one I, I wanted to bring up and the final name on the list here is was Whit Merrifield because he's been a head scratcher. We mentioned him earlier. Batting just 216 on the season. Similar to Cronenworth, it's like that's what you want from Whit is the average. So 216 is is not cutting it. Yet the stat cast page looks similar to what it always has. And he's pretty much cemented as the leadoff man for KC. Again, it's, you know, this situation's come up in, in my home league and I think several managers have tried to trade for Wit, and it's been unsuccessful. It's been talked about in the chat and everything, but this is a this is another name that's that's underperforming, and you know you didn't. It's not as pricey on draft day as a Vlad or a, as an Acuna, so I think this is a good one to look at, um, mainly because it doesn't look like his peripherals have just completely fallen apart. Obviously, it's you know, it's there's issues happening right now for Wit, but it's coming around a little bit. The 234 BABIP is really holding down his average. He's you know typically a 300 BABIP guy, so I think this this is a good one to look at. It's just you know what what the manager's needs would be. You know if it aligns with your need to kind of stabilize your lineup, assuming Wit will do that. Uh, but that was the last one I had on on the list of kind of underperformers that I think. If you looked at all trades around fantasy baseball, wit has to be pretty high of like frustrated managers who aren't getting what they paid for on on draft day. Yeah, the the steals are starting to come too. He's up to he's up to seven now. Um, you know, it, it's a five sixty OPS. His career is seven fifty seven. So 
you know, it, it might be closer to 700, but you could live with that if there's 20 more stolen bases um, in in that profile. And it, I think there should be. The sprint speed's still in line with, with where he is, um, you know, uh, all the way back to 2018. So uh, it, it's not like, uh, you know, he, he legitimately lost a step or anything like that. The K rate's still good. Uh, the whiff rate's still fine. So, like, yeah, there there should be some positive regression there. Um, you know, one of the guys that is severely under underperforming, um, his XBA, his XBA is at two seventy two, which is like right in line with where it is for for his career. So um, two seventy four for his career for XBA. So like this should be, you know, a prototypical Whit Merrifield, like you know kind of probably more of like what the people were, were selling about and it might be closer to to eight or 10 home runs than like the 18 or 20 that he's popped in, in those years where he sort of surprised everybody. But I think he's probably good for hitting 260, 270 the rest of the way with a good amount of steel. So yes, uh, a, a, a perfect, perfect, perfect by low candidate. So this might be... Another one that could fit into like the Glaber Torres plus a piece. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Steve, this is, uh, you know, Alyssa's up in Wisconsin at a concert tonight. So I might just, you know, edit the pod, look at every manager's roster in my leagues and make you know, yourself to, a deal. Yeah. Pour, pour a glass of something and just try to try to get to work over here. But yeah, this is fascinating to to hear about. I know my. My only trade this season was uh, acquiring Rowdy Telez for Chris Paddock. It was a guy uh, who yeah, needed, uh, needed yeah. pitching, and he was. Uh, it was kind of a, a waiver, first priority hey, waiver. But move, you know, but. you know how you got that done, right? Like you, you, you saw what that guy needed, and like you're like, hey, like I'm going to be honest. Like I really want to use this waiver priority. Like you know, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I sang like, you the novel. You, you, yeah, you you did it. You did exactly what we were what we were sort of talking about there. Yeah. So themes, be sure to uh, communicate, be above board, a little transparency on why you're interested in the piece. Nothing's worse than being like, oh come on, this guy's not even that good. It's like, then why are you trying yeah, to trade for him? Yeah, you, you, why are you trying to trade for a player if you're trashing? Like, remember, like this is a relationship. Like, if you make a trade and it works out, and like, or even if you get burnt, like. You, you know you're gonna do a trade with that person again like it, it shouldn't be you trying to win this trade because there's i'm just never gonna do a trade with you again if, if that's how you're approaching it yeah i love it man and anything else to add on uh on let's make a deal part two no man i love it it's a yearly tradition like right around june uh deal time baby we'll uh you know touch base on uh uh, on this topic I, I love talking I love making trades so hey uh, yeah right up my wheelhouse and anybody tuning in feel free to uh, fire off any questions we have again our email is windsabovefantasy at gmail.com happy to do any uh, trade grading or pass it over to the trade counselor uh, you guys can find him on twitter <laughs> at stav8818 I'm at Van underscore Verified, and you guys can catch us every Thursday on the Pitchless Podcast Network and on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. But uh, that wraps us up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for talking trades with us, guys. Later.